Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network here. And today we have a three-part podcast coming your way, beginning with a conversation with Colorado commit Talon Chandler, then an interview with Kevin Borba from Athlon Sports, followed by a chat with BuffStampede.com contributor Jimmy Searfoss, who's actually going to get the keys and run the show for me on BuffStampede.com for five days while I'm away with my family on vacation. Going to need this little break with Pac-12 Media Day and preseason camp coming around the corner, but uh, let's dive into this podcast. Joined by 2024 Colorado commit Talon Chandler from Nevada, Missouri. Talon has been on Colorado's commit list since early February, and he's been a proud buff since then. Talon, uh, thanks for joining me. Was your official visit last weekend your fourth trip out to Colorado? Uh, Yes, sir. I think it was. Did you learn anything new about CU on your official visit? Um, you know, I, I, I learned a little bit more about the players because I got to spend some more time with the players and just learn more about why certain guys chose to come to Colorado. And it, it's just more about the coaches. It was just a lot of spending time with my second family this weekend really was what it was. Did it feel like each time you visited Colorado it was a little bit more settled just in terms of the staff's continuity? And then also now the fact that, they, you know, they've got, the, the bulk of their own guys in there. Yeah, 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 definitely. So just every single time I've come out, you can just see how much it's changed over time from when I visited out in January to now. So you put on the recruiter hat once you committed to Colorado. What was that a pretty natural fit? Uh, have you always been kind of an outgoing guy that, that feels comfortable uh, trying to, uh, you know, get other guys on board with, with Colorado? Yeah, that's something that I've kind of always wanted to be able to do is get other get other top guys to come play with me because you want to have the best possible team you can have and and you know just talking to Coach Prime and hearing about the guys that they want in their in their system and the guys they want on their team and I was like okay I I want to have the best guys around me the guys who have that championship mindset you know and so I was like okay it's time to put the hat on and get to work three new commits uh, Brandon Davis Swain Zy Carl Lewis and Micah Welch all committed last weekend while you were on campus. And then composite five-star cornerback prospect Charles Lester III seems pretty intrigued with the buffs now. He, he's been kind of a Florida State, Florida State lean for a long time, but it sounds like now all of a sudden Colorado is really in the mix. Did, with those first three guys that did end up committing, was there a time during the weekend when you started to kind of notice it trending towards a commitment with those guys? So the first day that I got there, they were all still kind of just trying to feel it out. That that so we got there. Me and my family got there on Thursday night, and then that Friday morning is when we all got together. And you could tell that they were just kind of trying to feel it out, see how things work. Because some of them, I think it was their first ever visit, and then like Brandon, it was his third or fourth. So they were still just kind of trying to figure out, like, okay, this place, you know. But then, like with Brandon, as the day started to go on, me and him actually spent most of Friday together. And just me to working him and talking to him. And as the day went on, I was like, okay, I think this is going to be a good, good weekend for us. And then a lot of the guys like Micah, I sp- we spent some good, a good amount of time with him and his family. And it's just the guys, their mindset slowly changed as the weekend went on by talking to the coaches, seeing the facilities and sa- same things that I experienced on my first couple of visits, just the, it's just an unbelievable place out there with the coaches and everything. And so just as they slowly talked to the coaches and talk, and talked to the players and saw everything, you could just see in their mind how I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. So, and it helps that coach prime got their hand, got his hands on them. So. Yeah. You know, he's uh, 
obviously what, the, the most famous coach that's out there. What is it like being around Coach Prime as a recruit? Uh, is he laid back or, or does he have kind of a sales pitch for you? Yes, and no. he kind of has the sales pitch that any coach would give about the place and why you should be there. But it's really just him as a person that sells you. He, he's super charismatic. He's truthful with you. He's honest with you. I mean, he'll say, like, if he hasn't watched your film, he'll tell you, I haven't seen your film, man. I've just heard of it from the coaches and stuff. But if he's seen your film, he'll tell you what he likes, what he doesn't like. Like, he's just very honest, very truthful. And it's just the way his vision that he pitches to you, not even necessarily about the school, just about how he wants to change you from, from a boy to a man. It's not just about football. Did you have a player host on your official visit out to Colorado? I did, uh, Hank Zelenskis. Okay. What did you find out uh, about CU by hanging out with him? Obviously, he's new up there, but did you get a feel for what it's like for somebody coming in there that, that's only been there for a few weeks? Yeah, so he told me just a little bit about the kind of summer stuff, and he just told me – he kind of just gave me more details about the transition from high school to college and just a little bit about that. So just kind of tell me how the speed's a little different and just there's a lot – the. In high school, you're the guy, but here everybody's the guy. Just kind of stuff like that, and just getting my head ready for when I come out there in January and stuff. And so it was just kind of good to pick his brain about some things. Both based on your experience getting recruited by him, but also getting a chance to watch a spring practice. I'm curious how you would describe your future position coach, Bill O'Boyle. Uh, coach O'Boyle is very old school, but I love it because he's a very genuine guy. I mean, he... He'll love you like you're like you're his own son and he cares for you, but he's going to coach you hard. And if you make a mistake, he's going to let you know about it. But it's good because he one thing he told me on the official visit is he's going to give me every opportunity to make it to the next level. He's going to help you get to that point because that's what his job is. You've played guard and tackle at the high school level, but you've told me in the past that Colorado sees you as a center. Are they recruiting you exclusively for that position? How have they kind of talked about that? So they've pretty much told me that I'm coming in to play center. They said that if I maybe grow an inch or two, I could maybe slide out to guard. But they really like with my football IQ and my my polling ability and my technique and stuff, they'd like to have me at center to be able to kind of be that guy on the offensive line. Like we watched some film whenever on my official visit with Coach O'Boyle and he kind of showed me what their plan for me was and and how they run their offense and stuff. And so that's really what they're trying to set me up for is to be a center in their offense. And you're moving a lot. You're pulling a lot in your current high school offense. You mentioned that you've seen some film with Coach O'Boyle. What do you think it takes to excel, excel as a center in Sean Lewis's system? Have they gotten into the nuts and bolts as far as that goes? Really, you just have to not think. You just have to be able to identify the defense, call it out, and be ready to go on a fly. You can't You can't be thinking. You've just got to go with your gut. You know, If you see something, you got to say it and just really just – rely on your technique and you're going to work, you know, it's, it's not super sophisticated, but it's, it's a tough, it's definitely tough to go against. And it's a good offense to run for the guys. You know, it's fun. It's fun to do because you have tons of different things you can do on each play. So going back to coach prime, when Colorado started recruiting you, did, did you hear stories from your father about coach prime as a player, or did you look up clips online? How did you kind of start that research about, exactly the, the type of player he was back in his playing days. Well, I'm a big football junkie, so I'd known about Coach Prime for for since I've been a little kid. I I love watching college football, NFL, all of it. So I've known about him for a while and knew how great of a player he was and everything. And 
I'd heard some of the stuff. I follow, I kind of followed him when he was at Jackson State and stuff just because of recruiting things, and a couple of my buddies had gotten offered by him. So I, I knew a good good amount about him, but going out there and actually getting to meet him and talk to him was a big deal sealer. This is maybe the most important question I'm going to ask you since you're an offensive lineman. You've been out to Boulder four times now. Do you have a favorite restaurant near campus yet? Probably Rio. Okay. Rio yeah, what, what do you order when you go there? The fajitas, steak fajitas. Their grass-fed beef is is pretty next-level good. That, that's a good choice there. I definitely recommend it to anybody out there that, that hasn't been to the Rio and, and gotten their fajitas. Uh, what, what does the rest of the summer look like for you? Uh, you mentioned before we started to record that you guys are in conditioning. What, what does everything ramp up for you? So this this upcoming week, we're going to get our pads and everything. And then next Monday, we'll start in pads going over our just contact days and stuff and getting things rolling. Then we have a little break the week of the 4th of July. And then whenever we get back after that week, we're going basically team camp the entire month, full pads, practice every day in the morning. We start at 6 a.m. So we'll go from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. for practice. Then we'll go lift after. So. Any goals for this upcoming senior season? I want I want this team to have the best opportunity that we can, and I think we have a chance to win a state title. So, Awesome. Talon, I really appreciate you for coming on, recapping your visit out to, to Boulder, Colorado. I, I think you've already established yourself as a fan favorite just from the pride that you've shown as a commit to Colorado, and, and I know folks have enjoyed getting a, a chance to know you a little bit since you committed. Thank you. Today's episode of Buff Stampede Radio is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you're running a successful small to medium-sized business, you have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability, and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy. Understand the profitability of each client. Help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Joined on the show by Kevin Borba. Kevin works for Athlon Sports. Previously, previously spent time as a production assistant for the Pac-12 Network and has covered Texas and Stanford. Now covering the Buffs. Kevin, how was uh, early summer treating you? Early summer's treating me good. I'm out here in California. We're kind of getting that hot weather. Um, it's getting a little toasty, but excited to follow all this madness that's going on in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, it was nice getting a chance to meet you when you came out to Boulder to cover the spring game in April. Was that your, your first time out in Colorado? 
that was my very first time in Colorado. Um, was struggling to get out of the Denver airport. Very complicated airport. I'd never yeah. been. <laughs> it took me a hot minute to figure out how to get out. Uh, but Boulder itself was amazing. The whole town is like really tight-knit community um, built around the pro- the university, obviously. And the program itself, I could tell there's a lot of buzz around it. You would have thought that. I think if you dropped me down from another planet, I thought I was attending like a national championship team spring game. <laughs> Did you get a chance to go around town a little bit? What was kind of your your uh, your itinerary when you were out yeah. for the first time? Okay, so, so I stayed at, I forget what the hotel was called. I was like half a mile away from the university. So I was just walking everywhere. So I had, I was just exploring. Um, I like to do some hiking. So I was just walking, exploring the campus, exploring the outdoors in the little vicinity that I was in. Um, had some really good food, um, some really good just overall interactions with fans. Um, my Uber driver at one point was talking about how he had one of the top barbecue places in Colorado pre-pandemic and how Coach Prime is like really rejuvenated the community, which was really cool to see. That's awesome. What was it like, the decision process of deciding you were going to you know, add Colorado coverage to your play? You know, um, I saw a need, uh, obviously, after Coach Prime, Deion Sanders took the job. Um, I like you said, I cover Stanford as well over at Fan Nation, and they had no Colorado coverage. And so I was like, I'll jump on it. You know, I think that's a great opportunity to kind of um, cover a more interesting, not more interesting, a, a very interesting, a very up and coming program. And so I ended up, um, they sent me over to Athlon because Athlon wanted some Colorado coverage. And so that's kind of how it all started. Um, there wasn't Colorado coverage to the extent of someone following them every day. And so I decided I, that could be me. Um, I saw a niche, I saw a need, and I, I took it up, took up the opportunity. <laughs> Mentioned that you previously spent time as a production assistant for the Pac-12 Network. Was that in San Francisco, or, or where were you doing that at? Yeah, that was in San Francisco. So I was commuting every day about two hours from where I live to the, the headquarters, and we were pounding out highlights and writing TV scripts for everybody that came through. Um, got to meet some cool people, Eddie House, uh, Bill Walton, um, went through a couple times. And so a lot of great interactions. Yeah. Is there anything about Pac-12 network that maybe isn't well represented or maybe the perception isn't accurate of it? Yeah, I think the Pac-12 network kind of gets a bad rep um, just because of they're limited to being on Comcast only. Um, but everybody's in there working really hard. Everybody's really great at what they do. Um, I think the Pac-12 network gets a bad rep simply because of how inaccessible it is. Um, but the amount of experience we had in that room was amazing. Everybody, um, my boss, David Arnold, was from ESPN. And so he comes over to the Pac-12 network, kind of really helping lift the, I guess, the, the view of it. And everybody had a great time. We were all working extremely hard to do the best we could. Um, unfortunately, we didn't negotiate the deal as <laughs> who was televising right, right. the games. And so I think that's the kind of the only misconception about it is that it's just some network that nobody cares about and also it will be interesting to moving forward to see where um like with the streaming stuff what their role is because the pac-12 uses and this is some insider info i guess they use a program called dalit or dilet and i promise you no one's heard of it because i hadn't heard of it um <laughs> Uh, it's like Adobe Premiere. It's really old, though. And so everything, all the Pac-12 footage is on delay. And so it'll be interesting to see moving forward what the Pac-12's role kind of is because all their footage is in that um, in that editing software. And I don't know how transferable that could be. Interesting. Yeah. So having that experience, uh, are you kind of internally hoping that things kind of work out for the Pac-12? What, what are your thoughts on 
just the, the conference realignment rumors and speculation that's going on. Uh, a lot of people claim they know what's going on, but I've talked to people that are pretty high up that yeah. just don't know how this is going to play out at this point. Yeah, I think the I have a soft, I'll always have a soft spot for the Pac-12, um, just because one, there's two reasons. One, obviously, they were my first job out of college. Um, that's kind of, I'm sure you remember, first job out of college, you're nervous, you're excited. It's like, finally, someone takes a chance on me because there's a lot of no's in this industry. And so um, I graduated during the pandemic. And so everybody that was applying to jobs had a lot more experience than I did because they were all unfortunately laid off during the pandemic. And so myself with five minutes of experience was going up against people with 10 years of experience. So someone finally took a chance on me. I was very grateful. And so I'll appreciate that. And then also I think the college football purist in me, um, I grew up with the PAC 10, the PAC 12 um, in my later years of high school and into college. And so I don't think I, I don't want college football to turn into a, a three mega conference um, kind of just everybody's cannibalizing themselves. Um, there's thought there's discussions of relegation happening and stuff like that. Like college football realignment gets way too hectic um, I think I, it'd be cool for the Pac-12 to survive just because that's what we grew up on. Um, I think I think what's getting lost in all of these discussions is it's turning conference and like Big 12 into Pac-12 like a rivalry, but it's getting really personal and like there's a lot of jobs on the line. I think people forget the human element of realignment, how it affects everyone else. Yeah. Segwaying over to, to Colorado football, have you set forth any expectations for this football team? Are you kind of sitting back, taking a wait-and-see approach, because th that's the thing when you cover a team and, and you talk to folks, they want to dive right to the win-loss record that you're predicting for the next yeah. year. I hate that question because it's like, I don't know. We've never seen these guys play together. Um, I'm sure some of these guys don't even know everybody's name on the team, if we're being honest. I'm sure they're still out there wearing the little hello, my name is name tags. Um, my expectation is... I think just sheer talent alone, they should exceed the three and a half win total. Um, I think they have a much talented roster. Um, towards the end of the year, they didn't look competitive last season, but they had competitive moments. Um, TCU was quite competitive until Max Duggan came in. They obviously got the win over Cal. And so I think they have a lot of potential to exceed that um, three and a half mark. Um, but Colorado fans haven't really liked my expectations. I'm five to seven wins. Um, I think anything past seven, throw a parade in Boulder, that's very exciting. Um, but everybody in Boulder, I think, and all the new fans that Coach Prime has brought along, they're expecting 12 wins right away, Adam. And you know this. You know they're expecting 12 wins right away. And I'm like, let's pump the brakes. Let's see them play together in the same uniform for once. <laughs> yeah, you say five to seven wins, which is a pretty – it's only a three-game difference. But mm -hmm. that, that's a pretty wide margin when you're talking about college football. You know, a lot of teams finish in that five to seven win mark. Mm -hmm. um, but it's crazy within that. And, and I agree with you because that's kind of where I'm at as well. Uh, but you could tell that to two people and one person would call you a hater yep. and the other person would call you a homer. Isn't yes. that crazy? <laughs> I'm, I'm usually the hater on my podcast. Um, I, I'm not trying to be a hater. It's just, you know this. We don't know what to expect. Um, college football itself is a, a crazy world. That's why we fell in love with the sport. There's games where... For example, Colorado could be playing USC, a team that realistically should be in the playoff if everything goes right for USC. And maybe Caleb Williams just has an off day, one of his few off days, and Colorado beats them. We can't, we can't account for the college football aspect of college football. There's a whole different mysterious, magical thing going on in college football where sometimes things just don't go the way they should. And that's why I don't like to make predictions because it's like you don't know if um, maybe the opposing fan base got someone's phone number and they're going to heckle him the whole time. We don't know that, but... 
there's a whole aura around Colorado right now, and I love the confidence. I just don't want them to get their feelings hurt, or their, I don't want them to get their hopes up and be disappointed. So I like to be right in the middle. <laughs> Are there any guys, I, I guess you'd call them a little bit more under the radar players on this team, that mm-hmm. guys that aren't named Shadur, Travis, Jimmy, or Shane yes. Pokes? I mean, yep. those are kind of the, the main four established guys, the guys that stood up and talked to this team when they, mm-hmm. they convened during Memorial Day weekend. Are there any guys outside of that group that, that you expect to have a big impact on the field this year for the Buffs? Yeah, I wrote about this over at Athlon. Um, I think, obviously, the, the four guys you mentioned, they're all going to be stars, but we're talking about under-the-radar guys here. Um, Xavier Weaver, um, I think all the excitement in Jimmy Horn is warranted. Um, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. But his teammate at USF, Xavier Weaver, was by far um, statistically the better receiver. I'm, I'm not going to dive into who was better, but Xavier Weaver left USF as one of their most accomplished receivers ever. Um, and so I think he offers a great skill set, kind of a jump ball getter, someone that could go deep and come down with – we saw it at Jackson State. Shadur Sanders likes to push the envelope a little bit. He likes to throw it up sometimes, not all the time, but he likes to throw it up to these guys who go up and get it. Um, Xavier Weaver, um, I'm looking at – and this, this is where I get called a hater most of the time. Amarion Cooper um, at corner. Obviously, we know Travis is going to be one of the corners. And everybody just assumes that Cormani McLean is going to step in right away. But there's a big adjustment um, stepping into the college game, um, especially for someone as Cormani. He's a little on the slender side. He's very um, He's got a good build. Like He's going to be long and lanky, and that's always going to work in his favor. But right now, he's small. Whereas Amarion Cooper very physical. Um, we saw it in the videos that have been released with him and, and Xavier Weaver. They're, they were physical at the line. And I think that's someone I also like to kind of point to. And then Des Moines Kennedy, um, the Alabama transfer hasn't really gotten a lot of playing time, but he was athletic enough to get snaps or running back. He's athletic enough to play special teams. And so I think with a more prominent role, we could see something out of him. I collaborated on your podcast. We're, we're kind of trading off here. You yeah. mentioned uh, when I was on your podcast, that uh, you have some history with Mustafa Johnson. I wanted to ask you about that on this podcast. Share that for our listeners. Yeah, me and Mustafa went to high school together. Um, I remember my freshman year, um, we had, I don't remember what class it was. We had a class together, and Mustafa, obviously, as you know, is very grown. Um, he was always been grown. And so me, as a young, I was a young freshman. I think I was 14 my freshman year. Um, I graduated high school at 17. I was like a, a year younger than my whole grade. Um, and so when I see someone like Mustafa, I was like, oh, this guy must be like a, a junior or senior. Maybe he's, maybe he's like the teacher or something. And nope, he was the same age as me. Um, we played basketball together. Um, as you can imagine, he was a lot stronger than everybody. Um, he was dominant in the paint, but always they would always call fouls on him just because he was physically stronger than everybody that would try to guard him. And so I remember my coach would always be yelling, it's not his fault, he's stronger than him. It's not his fault. And so Mustafa, great guy, super nice, down to earth. Um, kind of like a gentle giant, I think. Um, I think he, when you watch him play, you would assume that he's just like a very like up-tempo kind of guy. He's very relaxed and kind of under the radar energy-wise. That's awesome. He had to go the JUCO route. He went the, the that, hard yeah. route uh, to, to where he got. And it's interesting, Daniel DePrado, who has gone on to coach at some other spots and done well, he was, I think, actually the interim uh, down at USF when they, they were going through a coaching transition. Uh, he was at Colorado and was part of the, the team that recruited Mustafa to Boulder. And I was playing in this golf tournament with him. And I didn't ask him about Mustafa specifically. I just said, you know, who on this roster is going to surprise people? And this was the summer uh, that Mustafa came into the program. And he, and he said, he, he goes, you're going to walk up to him 
And your your first reaction is going to be that Mustafa Johnson is not as tall as they have him listed at. Yes. But he goes, look at his arms, look at his hands. That's why we recruited him and he's going to be a beast. And, and sure enough. And yeah, uh, I think back to the, the win over Nebraska in 2019, he oh, yeah. a big sack that, you know, pushes Nebraska to, to have a really long field goal, which they missed. And so he had some great moments with the buffs and it was kind of a wonky deal where he was going to go pro didn't get invited to a camp and then finally got eligible to come back and compete with the buffs with, with that event in 2021, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was such a, a tough deal because he didn't have a full off season, but uh, I yeah. think everybody around Boulder ha- has really positive uh, feelings towards Mustafa and what he did for the Buffs. Yeah, Mustafa was a great guy. Um, and probably I need to reach out to him now that we're talking about it. I haven't talked to him in a, in a hot minute, but I congratulate him. He's in the CFL now. I congratulate him all the time on his accomplishments, and he's doing well up there. But, yeah, I remember the Nebraska game was very um, – a lot of people here in the 209, which is where I live in California, were watching that game because it was Mustafa – and then Nebraska's quarterback, Adrian Martinez, is also from about an hour away from here. And so it was kind of like the Clovis West versus Turlock game all over again, which was a high school game that was very intense down here. Um, but that was a great game. Mustafa had a lot of big plays. And really, I realistically think if if it wasn't for injuries, I think he could have gone fairly high in the draft. Um, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, and you might be too, Adam. He, there was mock drafts that had him early round considerations at the time. Um, there was some first second round mock drafts from Mustafa after that year but injuries kind of slowed him down and but yeah and, and the, the height issue too right I mean yeah he really was 6'3 I, I think he would have gotten drafted yeah. without question yeah he was his he always played a lot bigger than his height which I think is something that we could all agree on it was just yeah I think probably the the heights are always generous you know that's, that's why the team pages yeah, yeah. are a little I, I think you always got always subtract two and probably subtract about 10 pounds from everybody. And that's probably the more accurate listing. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Kevin, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Again, it was great to get a chance to meet you in person and and spend some time collaborating on each other's podcast today. Tell folks how they can find you on social media and also your work covering the buffs. Yeah. You can find me on social media at Kevin underscore Borba. Um, I'm also covering Colorado for Athlon and then the locked on podcast network where I have a daily podcast. So Every day I'm talking about Colorado some way or another. Just make sure to find me. Um, love your feedback. Adam's coming on the show. I had Brian Howell on a few weeks ago. Um, John Cazano's coming on tomorrow, which controversial, but he knows a lot uh, despite what people want to say. Um, so I got a lot of great guests coming up. So you guys won't want to miss it. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate yep. you. Thank you. Joined on the line by Jimmy Searfoss, contributor to buffstampede.com. Jimmy, you're going into your senior year at CU. It, You've been contributing to the website for a couple of years, and uh, you've seen the the highs and the lows. You've seen what the spring game press box looked like in 2022, and you got to see what it looked like uh, this this past April. That was kind of my first experience in like a real journalism setting. It was that spring game. I mean, I've covered like basketball games and stuff in the past, but that was kind of my first taste of everything. And man, it feels really different <laughs> nowadays as opposed to the last one. Just I remember just being kind of having some arm room to myself in the first spring game and, you know, eating in the press box. But man, there was nothing and barely you could barely breathe there in this last one. It was it was a fun time. We got to see everyone that I'm used to seeing, plus, you know, fifty thousand more people, especially even in the stands. Uh it was it was a great time. I remember taking pictures and like all right, well, this is going to be fun. And then seeing Ralphie run for the first time last year. And then this time, 
Oh man. I mean, it was cold too. Like it wasn't even a nice day out and it was just, you know, overflowing with people. It was a great experience that second time around, but yeah, it was like a complete 180 from that very first time. You showed off your versatility that day. You even went down at one point during the spring game to get some prime nachos. I got to give those a thumbs up. You know, I haven't had a whole lot of concession food at Folsom Field, but I, I was impressed with that. You know, I figured they they were a ridiculous amount of money. First of all, thank God, you know, we had our meal vouchers, but they were 20 bucks for nachos. And I'm thinking if you're going to make them prime nachos, at least make them $21. You know I mean? If you're going to spend $20 on nachos, you're probably going to spend $21. And then that's his number, right? So I figured that was a missed opportunity there by the, uh, by the university of Colorado food department or whatever, whoever runs that. But I didn't realize that they were that expensive. I would not have enjoyed them as much had I been had to pay that. <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if I enjoyed them that much after learning how expensive they were. Uh, but thank God, you know, we had our we had our in. I know you're back home briefly in, in Texas. You're heading back to Boulder tomorrow. But w- what's the buzz like on CU's campus ever since Coach Prime was hired? Oh, they're ready, man. They're, they want to, they're ready to go. I mean, everyone is be, I don't even know if excited is beyond the word. I think it's at this point, like anticipation, they're just ready to get this over with. They want to get to that spread. They want to get to that fall. They want to get to that first game. I would anticipate there's a good amount of people that'll show up for that TCU game, but man, people are excited about Nebraska, man, for like, that's going to be, that's going to be a good time. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole CU website crashes when those, uh, when those tickets go on sale for the season passes for the students, I mean, they expanded the student section this year just for that. Cause they know what's coming. Those fans are about to show up and show out. They better see, I'm saying Folsom field better be ready. Folsom field better be in tip top shape. Cause I remember this last year at the TCU game, it was kind of a messy opening. I mean, people showed up early. I think they showed up a little more excited than people were expecting to show up. And they kind of had some issues. I remember they were kicking people out of that student section because it filled up so fast. And I would anticipate it's going to look like that again here soon. That was one of the few bright spots last season was the student section. They oh, kept yeah. showing up no matter what. And fortunately, Mike Sanford uh, helped inspire the team to at least one win. That that was a, a fun Saturday afternoon at Folsom Field. But aside from that, it was brutal. So I. You know, there there have been times during my tenure covering Colorado where we've had to criticize the students for not showing up, but that hasn't been an issue here recently. I, I think part of it was the pandemic hit, and uh, folks like you, you 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 had that pent up social wanting to be social from the time you were late in high school, early in college, and once the restrictions got uh, lifted, it, it's almost like people appreciated being out again no kidding i remember my very first football game as a buff was sitting in my dorm watching a game that was taking place you know right down the road you know over at Folsom field it was against ucla that first game and i remember me and my roommate were just sitting there and we played the fight song when we scored a touchdown when sam neuer went out and did something did something cool um but yeah, it was a super disappointing. I think we ordered wings from like Fat Shack. I didn't know about Peckish at the time. I would have ordered from Peckish at this point. But, you know, ordered just like 
wings and just did what we could, you know, it was kind of, kind of disappointing, but, uh, that, that was just the COVID year. But I definitely think that people showed out, especially, I think at this point, they kind of garnished that, uh, lovable losers type feel like the Cubbies had for a while over up in Chicago. But I don't think, I, I think that attitude's going to kind of, you know, go away at this point in this upcoming season. Yeah. What do you think expectations are going to be from the average CU student? Are they expecting a national championship in year one or do they just want to be able to go to Folsom Field and actually have a chance to win the game? I think they want to have a game to where they can stick around in the third quarter. You know, it's going to be, I think the national media kind of has a mentality that we're expecting something other than maybe four wins, five wins. I think people have a pretty realistic idea of what this team was and I think they're, we're all just happy to be here in this situation. And if they win, you know, a lot of games, that's awesome. More than excited. But if they show progress, that would be even better. Like that first Mel Tucker year, I think, is what a lot of people are looking at it like. Where you just want to see some sort of, you know, trend in the right direction. So the 11 a.m. kickoff for Nebraska if it was a different opponent with that time in a different year without coach prime, uh, the students aren't showing up until uh, midway through the second quarter, probably. Right. But it's going to be different because of coach prime, because it is Nebraska. What percentage of the student section will have pulled an all nighter the night before you think for that 11 a.m. kickoff? I will, I'll say 30%, but I will anticipate way more. Man, I I think they see it as a challenge. Like, how early can I get hammered? And I I respect it, man. I I respect that CU mentality of just going, man. <laughs> Doesn't matter what time, they will get up. And even if they wake up late, they'll catch up. <laughs> the alt- altitude helps. Well, as a 43-year-old, I can tell you, you, you only get the college experience once. So, hey. <laughs> You guys enjoy it out there because uh, suffering through last year and then having all this excitement, uh, do whatever it takes to get ready for that game. Just uh, don't get belligerent. I, you mentioned the TCU game. There were there were a couple students that had to be uh, drawn off on stretchers before the game even kicked off. Don't, oh, don't yeah. go that far. There, there's a line. And a couple of those folks definitely crossed it. Proper CU form. <laughs> so share some of your story for folks. Uh, I know your parents went to see you and it was, it's kind of a family decision to, to be a buff as well. Uh, talk about your family history. I believe your parents went to see you during the heyday, correct? Oh yeah. They were, they were here when it was good. And that was kind of always their joke. It's like, I don't know, it must be you. <laughs> you know, when I was up here, I mean, obviously they weren't great, but heck I've had parents come here. I've had uncles come here. It's been kind of a fun ride. And I tried to go into my college process with a bit of an open mind, but I had toured CU first and that was a mistake. You can't tour CU first because you see that campus and it's over. You know, I came over that hill and yeah, it was pretty much, you know, a shoe in from there. You know, I could have gone to like Missouri or whatever. That's a great journalism school, but I wanted to be in Boulder. I mean, Boulder's fantastic and everything's great up here, except for like prices. <laughs> prices yeah. kind of suck big time. But I remember, you know, starting off journalism freshman year. Was, like I said, with COVID, it was kind of like, couldn't really do much you know there was you could write from your dorm pretty much and there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for meeting in general i think at one point cu locked it down to where you couldn't be around more than one person at a time you know 
it was kind of really rough. And then sophomore year, I decided to pick it up a little bit. I started off with one of the CU publications called The Bold. That's a student publication up there um, where my editor was Nikki Edwards. <laughs> For You know, that might be a familiar name up here. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of moved on. I remember my very first thing I ever covered was the St. Bonaventure NIL, or uh, not NIL, uh, NET game or NIT game uh, my sophomore year. And I remember being super disappointed about that. Introduced myself to Pat Rooney that day. I don't know if he remembers that, but I was, I, I thought I was like, I was going to start shaking hands then. And then message Adam Munster Tiger on two, four, seven on Twitter. I was like, Hey, you got a spot. And he was like, yeah, cool. So I started up. Well, there. I invited you out to help cover the spring game. Like I mentioned back in 2022 and I was impressed. You, you asked a question, your first media scrum and you sent over a clean copy and I was like, all right, let's go. Jimmy Searfoss. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, it's been I, fun. It's been, uh, again, you send in clean copy and, and you're a go-getter. You, that's one of the things that uh, people ask for advice uh, if they're interested in getting in sports journalism. And the first thing I say is you got to be ready to work. Uh, you got to find your niche. And it's going to take some time to, to figure that out. But in nowadays, especially in 2023, you got to wear a lot of different hats. You got to be well-versed. You got to do a lot of different things and that's something you're able to do. So uh, I've really appreciated having your, your contributions here the last, what is it about a year and a half now? Year and a half. I kind of, time flies. I was, I was kind of thinking about that earlier. I was like, I sent that DM a long time ago, but it helps, you know, cause I mean, I do love, I do love CU. I mean, I've been, I came home from the hospital very first day one. I had a Ralphie stuffed animal waiting for me, you know, in the crib. And I, heck, I mean, I got Cordell Stewart shirt on. I mean, I've been around. I, I like the history. I'm enjoying all this. I mean, I like to go and see the insides. And I saw like the Heisman Trophy, and I'm like, wow, is that the, really the Heisman Trophy? And you know, I, I know that, I know, I know the themes, and I know the history. So I, I appreciate you know just being a part of it at this point, getting to see some of it, and kind of having an inside look at it. That's something I really enjoy personally. What's it like as a college student to ask Deion Sanders a question in the press conference setting? Nerve wracking, man. It is, it is, it is nerve. I, I get nervous. I, I, I'm like, you, right, cut, you gotta, cut his attention with one of your questions. I forget I what it was. <laughs> I remember I was like, oh God. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I was so ready to just be done with that question and over it and everything. And then, uh, DNVR put up a little compilation and threw that question answer in there. And I was like, Oh God, got a bunch of looks on Twitter. I'm like, here's Dion getting, uh, getting all riled up at me. I was, uh, that was, that was a, that was an interesting moment in my career. It had to happen. It's going to happen to everyone at some point, you know, someone's going to rile up a coach or whatever, but yeah, it was kind of nerve wracking. I was trying to get on his good side afterwards, you know, just with a better question. There's no way he remembered or whatever. He took it, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. And no, it wasn't and honestly, uh, the way Coach Prime uh, goes back and forth with the media, I mean, we're all going to be in that position here. Oh, yeah. In the future. But I remember that first question. I was nervous. I was shaking. I was just trying to keep my voice straight and keep it from, you know, wobbling all over the place because I think it was like the second press conference. And it was still packed in there. You know, I had an audience. I got to make sure I, you know, don't stumble over my words or anything. So. Well, the spring game press conference was surreal for me, having been around this long, to see folks not even be able to find a place to stand in the back. That's how many me media members were there that, uh, I mean, I would venture to guess 60% of those people we had never seen before that, that covered that game. Yeah. 
So, I mean, did you have a moment that was like, oh, I'm talking to Deion Sanders? I tried to compartmentalize, but I think at the intro press conference, there was so much fanfare. That was, uh, I, that got up my adrenaline up for sure. You know, well, the and, guy next to me was cheering like, like really loud. <laughs> I was like, aren't we supposed to be journalists and <laughs> stay a little more professional? But he was yeah. cheering. He was amped up. <laughs> the, the line has been blurred a little bit uh, in terms of journalism. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm curious though, Jimmy, you've been around the program, you turned 21 and you were at one of the open practices the next day this spring. So I was really impressed with that. Uh, who stands out to you on this team? Who are you most excited to see out there aside from let's scratch off Shadour Sanders and Travis Hunter. Mm -hmm. I think everybody's excited to see those two, two guys. Who else are you excited to see play for Colorado this fall? Honestly, Javon Antonio is really caught my eye just because I think that he really brings exactly what that wide receiving core needs. You know, there's a lot of speed guys, you know, but they tend to be on a little bit of the smaller side. He's just kind of a hulking figure out there. Uh, even saw the clips from, you know, the the practices and things like that, where he was just bullying guys out there. And I love to see that. I love seeing a good old dominant, you know, wide receiver to go out there and get up and get a ball, especially in that end zone. So I really think that he kind of rounds out rounds out that wide receivers uh, room a little bit more than you know some of the others, and I, I feel like he needs to get talked about a little bit more. Give me one prediction that you have for CU football in twenty twenty three. I'm going to leave that open ended. You could go any direction that you'd like. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that Colorado upsets a Pac twelve power a Pac twelve powerhouse. Just it felt like in previous years whether that be like Oregon or you know USC or heck um we play UCLA right yep you know UCLA just someone that we are like pretty never would have you know thought to be in the past just because of last year it felt like no matter what we were going to lose you know just talent wise we were so far below everyone else just when it comes to speed strength just it felt like we were like never it felt like we were playing with one arm you know, and it was the left one. It just, I feel like we're on par with skill-wise with some of the other teams at this point. And I would have predicted at least one major upset, like against a Utah or something. Okay. All right. That's, well, we'll take that here in mid-June. You know, it's it's tough to, we, we haven't seen the vast majority of this roster together. And it's going to so. be, if they can, if they can protect Shador, if anything happens to Shador, that's, going to be major problems for the buffs well about the time this podcast goes live i'm going to be getting on a plane with my family our three kids headed down to cancun for about five days of r and R. I've, I've got to recharge jimmy so i'm handing the keys to buffstampede.com to you. you you ready for that i'm a driver like you stole it like i stole it <laughs> oh no okay <laughs> Just don't make me spend a lot of time in the hospitality suite having to work during this because I, I just need I just need a couple days and then from the time I get back home until all the way through the season I'm going to be ready to go. But man, I I got I got to spend a little little beach time before I can feel ready to to dive back into everything because last season was crazy. You had really starting from a year ago when USC and UCLA left the Pac-12. And there was Pac-12 Media Day, and everybody was talking about the LA schools leaving the conference, what's next for the conference. Then you had 
the start of the season where Carl Durrell's on the hot seat. He gets let go. Mike Sanford takes over as interim. We're covering the coaching search while covering a really brutal football season. You know, there's road press conferences where it's just Brian and I in there, and it's really awkward, Jimmy. It's really awkward. <laughs> and we finally get through that. And exciting, so much excitement with Deion Sanders taking over, but a lot of work in, in overhauling the entire roster. It's been unlike anything I've ever experienced covering Colorado. It's been great. I definitely, uh, you know, aside from some of the drama last fall, which was was tough to cover, it, it's been a great experience, but it, it's tiring at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, well, you, I mean, you're signed on for a little bit more, too. You just got your extension. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, buffstampede.com is staying on 24-7 sports, so we're excited about that. But, yeah, I think five days and, and I'll be uh, fully ready to go and, and oh, re-engage yeah. and recharge. But it's tough to step away because it's like every day something new is happening with CU football. No kidding. So I'm going to keep my ear to the ground here. All right. Uh, you go waste where can, away where can folks follow you on uh, social media? Well, not only I'm while a, I'm away, but you know, going forward. Yeah, I'm over at Jimmy Searfoss, uh, J-I-M-M-I-E. I spell it all weird. You know, thanks, Jimmy Johnson. That's his fault. Um, Jimmy Searfoss on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can find most of me blabbering on about whatever. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. I don't got no Instagram. That's for the journalism side of things. That's for me. <laughs> but yeah, Twitter is where I find, you can find me. Jimmy Searfoss, awesome. at Jimmy Searfoss. Well, hey, Jimmy, thanks for taking some time off to join us on the podcast. And uh, good luck taking over for me here these next few days. (laughs) I look forward to it.